0: All right. Good morning, church family. Hope everybody's doing all right today. Um, I'm very thankful for the weather outside. Very thankful for that. Takes me back to my Colorado roots. So woke up this morning and the weather's having an identity crisis. It's okay. It happens. But that's why I'm wearing my lumberjack shirt, because it just felt like the right thing to do today. So I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, We are starting a new series today and Uh, I want to just speak to the fact that we understand that family looks different for every home. And there's different structures of families represented even here right now. We've got single moms, single dads. We have blended families. Uh, We have uh, people in here that have gone through tough relationships and tough divorces and and a lot of different situations and circumstances. And and, and this is what I would encourage you with. Uh, Regardless of what the past looks like, we are asking you not to keep looking there. And this sermon is not about trying to rehash things that have happened in the past or even this morning. Uh, Because this is what we know. We know that the enemy, he's the accuser of the brethren. That's what the word says. He likes going around. He likes reminding people of the mistakes that they've made. So they stay in those mistakes. They stay in the guilt and the shame, the condemnation of the mistakes that they've made. And so... Whether, whether it was five years ago, 10 years ago, or 45 minutes ago. Because I know sometimes driving to church, man, it's like World War Three breaking out in the car all the way there. And, and I know it's difficult because then, cause then you know, now we're going to go in and worship Jesus. And you're not feeling it. <laughs> and it's difficult and it's hard. And what the enemy would want to do, and he was, he was doing this even while we were worshiping God this morning. And trying to do it in your mind, it's like, man, you can't worship God. How can you worship God? You were fighting on the way here this morning. But that is the enemy. That's not the word of God. That's not the character of God. That's not who he is. And so don't look in the rearview mirror. But let's find out what the word of God says and what God says for who our family is, what our homes can look like now. And because of Jesus. Last week we celebrated Easter Easter and uh man, I loved everything that God did, the stories that were coming out of it, man, I got to hear so many even in between services and in the foyer, and people were letting me know about stuff. It was just amazing but but the whole the whole thing we talked about Peter, you know we talked about how Peter blew it big time, denying Christ, denying him to his face, just to, just blowing it as a disciple, blowing it as a believer in Christ, so much so that that they, he couldn't be close to him. He, was, he would stay at a distance. But because of the realness of the cross and because of the realness of God's love and his forgiveness, Jesus or Peter was completely reconciled to Jesus. And not only was he reconciled, but he did amazing things for Jesus. But it was because of this unconditional love that Jesus had, this, this love that he gave in forgiving, because Jesus was not on the cross looking down, And looking through the generations at you and me thinking, man, I'm dying for them because they're so good. I'm dying for them because, man, they've just got it together. No, it was the opposite. He was looking at the very people that were murdering him and saying, forgive them. And that's the kind of love. That's the kind of love that it takes to have strong homes. And so I want to start by saying right now, if, if you are struggling with unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody in your family for whatever reason, Or maybe somebody from your past that was involved in your family. Whatever it is. If you're struggling with this unforgiveness when it comes to the structure of your home and your family, it'll be difficult for you to receive what God has for you. And I would encourage you, even there right now, that you would just ask God, God, give me an open heart to have a heart of forgiveness. Because the only way that you really understand what it looks like to have a home and a family that is after the kingdom of God and according to his will and his word, you have got to walk in a lot of forgiveness. You've got to have that. And so I just want to speak that into you as well. This is covenant relationship. And, and that may not be a familiar term to a lot of you, but when you have a covenant relationship with somebody, it means that even when they make huge mistakes, not because they deserve it, not because you ever have to trust them again, but because of the way that Jesus forgave you, you extend forgiveness to them. And you do everything you can to reconcile relationships and keep things healthy and whole. The word of God says that true love instinctively desires permanence in people's lives. Real love, true love, desires to be permanent in our lives. It can't be that if we don't extend the kind of love and forgiveness towards other people that Jesus has extended towards us. And I know that all of us have made mistakes in this. I know that I have not always loved in my home the way that I should. I haven't loved my family the way that I should. There have been days when I I will go that whole day appointments and counseling and all this kind of stuff. And even towards the end of the day, I'll start thinking and realizing, you know, pretty soon I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. And, and just determining in my own mind, like when I go home, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fun. <laughs> and I'm not going to be stressed out. And I'm gonna be the cool dad. I'm gonna be the amazing husband. And I'm gonna serve. And I'm gonna I'm gonna fill the dishwasher or empty it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this stuff. And my kids are gonna have so much fun hanging out with me. And then I will get home, and within ten minutes, I have ticked every person in the house off. I'm yelled and screaming. Everybody's feelings are hurt. People are crying. I'm just throwing stuff, yelling like I don't even care. Everybody, go to your room. You too, Cody. Like everybody, go to your room. It's everybody. But here's the truth. Those days happen when I haven't spent time with Jesus. Because the relationship that you have around your home is determined by the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And you may be asking, how in the world could you as a pastor go a whole day not spending time with Jesus? Well, some of y'all drive Jesus straight out of my life. I'm telling you that right now. Like... (laughs) if I'm just being honest. But, but really, you can get so busy doing the work of God that you forget about God. It can happen. I have to be very intentional because you can't give what you don't have. So if I haven't got the love of Jesus and his grace operating in my life, I can't give that to my home. I can't give it to my family. I can't give it to my wife. And there's a process of... Of overflow and trickle down that happens, I think, in God's plan and in his purpose. And I want to talk about how we get to that. The, the title of today's sermon is How to Build Home Field Advantage. How do you have home field advantage? This is what it says in Matthew 7:24. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is wise, is a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, so not just, not just hears them. Okay, now this is going to be on you because you're hearing right now. But it says, But puts them into practice. They're wise. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and mind and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. And some of you have been around those situations, man, when your home crashed. And you dealt with the devastation and may still be dealing with the devastation of what it is like. When it's not on the foundation of the word of God, it's not on the foundation of his plan and purpose. And the truth is, for me, when, when I've been in a vulnerable place like that, it's not because I didn't know the truth. It's just that I didn't apply the truth. And so, so this is, this is going to be, hopefully, a challenging and encouraging word. But it doesn't mean anything if you don't take it in your hand and apply it. Find a place that you plug this in in your life. So you got this one guy who's just kind of throwing this thing together without wisdom, just cheap, rushing it, you know? You can usually tell the product if you look close enough. From the outside, though, it probably just looks like a normal house. probably looks like a gray house. But here's the thing. I don't think that these guys are building houses in completely different pieces of land. I think there's a good chance they're building on a similar piece of land, but there's a major difference. Because the truth is you can do this. You can build a house on sand. If you've been to Florida, you've seen this. But the key is this. You have to dig down through the sand to find rock. You can build it on top of it, but the foundation, the footers, what it is established on has to be deep enough that it is hitting solid ground. And it's the same in this situation with our lives. The the, the reality is this. (laughs) Especially in the culture we, we live in, we're going to be building around some sand. You know what sand represents? It represents all the things our culture tries to build their life on that doesn't last, and it shifts, and it moves. So here's the deal. It's okay for us to have hobbies and desires, right? But the hobby of our life can't be our foundation. You can, you can love sports, but sports cannot be the foundation of your life because you're going to lose at some point. You get old at some point. It just isn't going to sustain you. Okay, so here's the thing. Have those things around your life, but you have to know at the core of who you are with full confidence, my foundation is in none of these things. It is in Christ and Christ alone. That's where my foundation is. It says in Proverbs fourteen twenty six: reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. It's fear of the Lord as a foundation. That's what gives you that deep strength that no matter what comes at you, you're good. By the way, this is the reason why we have life groups. It's the reason why we have groups like Re-Engage. It's why we do premarital counseling because in New Life Church, we don't want to just hand out band-aids for families and homes. We hand out shovels and we say, hey, This is not going to be easy. This is going to be hard work. We're gonna be there. We're gonna walk alongside of you and we're gonna to dig too. But you have gotta be willing to dig through the sand. You gotta be willing to dig through the temptation. You gotta be willing to dig through the heartache. You gotta be willing to dig through the cultural norms. You gotta be willing to dig through the peer pressure. You gotta be willing to dig through the addictions and all the other things. If you're willing to dig through all that, you're gonna find Jesus. And once you build on that, then you will build something that is sustainable. That'll last. That'll glorify God that the gates of hell can't prevail against. But it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some work. So, what does that work look like? Why do we need home field advantage? Well, we all know. If you're a sports enthusiast, like the NBA playoffs are coming up, right? Every one of those teams, they're fighting so hard right now to try to get home court advantage. Why? Because when you're at your home court, your people are cheering for you, you have your own unique cheers. You know, you got your own locker room. You got your, if, if you're in high school, you got your student section. Or in college, you got your student section. Uh, most of the time, a home-filled advantage, man, it gives you a huge advantage. You, you always feel really strongly that you can win at home when you can't win anywhere else. It's usually the case, except for some local teams maybe around here, but usually, <laughs> usually, home-filled advantage. Man, you want that. You fight for that. Why can't we have homes that cheer for us, where there's an advantage of being there. There's a place of security. But here's the thing. The enemy hates it. He hates it. I just want to tell you, even personally, this morning, I've had an off morning. And I think it's so much just because the devil hates it when we start talking about the word of God and how it relates to families and marriages, because that is where he is waging war in our nation. It's starting there. Anybody ever try to pick a fight with you guys before? Anybody ever, like, try to challenge you to fight? Raise your hand. Anybody ever challenge you to fight? Okay, there's more in this service. It makes sense. 11-15 crowd. You like to sleep in? Kind of the rebels, you know? You've been in a little more fights? Nine fifteen crowd, there's like two rebels. The whole place is like, I have. And everybody else is like, no, of course not. <laughs> well, I've been challenged in some fights. I don't know why. It just kind of follows me around. But, but even as an adult, like, there's a few years ago, I remember I got done speaking, and I stepped upstage, and one of the security guys said, Hey, I'm just going to hang out around you because uh, we, we noticed on social media somebody got offended at something you said at one of the first services. We had three services then, so they had a lot of time to kind of figure this stuff out. And uh, it was the last service, so 8 30 service. I ticked off somebody. It's not unusual. I tick off people a lot, mostly cat lovers, but you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and they said, and they're like talking about how they're going to fight you. I was like, well, Come at me, bro. You know? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not. I'm very much like that. But Jesus has saved me and redeemed me. and You know, so I'm trying to move on. But uh, I'm like, really? What? This is crazy. Like, where are they going to stay? They're going to find me. Like, they're talking about finding you uh, out in the parking lot. I'm like, well, that's a, that's on them because we don't have a parking lot. Because at that point, I'm like, Where are they going to find me in the parking lot, you know? But I was like, no, no. I was like, they're clearly not a redneck. And they're like, what does that have to do with anything? I said, I got this from a friend. Every redneck knows if you're going to set up a fight, you set it up at Sonic between two and four. (laughs) That way, win or lose, you got a half price drink and a 50 cent corn dog waiting for you afterwards. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) What does that have to do with this sermon? Absolutely nothing. Except this, the enemy has gotten very effective with picking fights on you on your home turf and he has all the advantage. And the enemy knows that if he can pick a fight with you on your home turf, in your home, in your family, in your marriage, and win, he will beat you everywhere else. He's got you. And so we have to understand, like when you're around your house, like I don't understand why we just fight all the time. Why do we have to fight all the time? Why are we so frustrated all the time? Well, you need to know the enemy hates you too. And I'm not saying everything's a demon, not everything's a devil. But he hates you. He hates your home. He knows that if you can have a place of security and refuge and a place where you can go and be comforted and encouraged and supported and exhorted towards your relationship with God, and if you have that and it's stable and it's consistent, then you're going to do a lot of damage against him. So he comes at that. He tries to break that down. The Bible says... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. The first thing that you have to have in a family to have home-filled advantage, you have to love your family with unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. A lot of times I talk to young people about the people are gonna marry, like some young guy, I'm like, so why do you wanna marry her? He's like, man, she just makes me so happy and I can talk to her for hours and I've just never been more attracted to anybody in my whole life And I'm like, so everything's conditional. In other words, all the reasons why you want to marry this person is because of everything they do for you. Well, then I'll try to steer them away. Or I'll go talk to the person that they they think they want to marry and be like, you need to get out of this. Because I understand how gravity works. Man, she's just so pretty. He's just so handsome. Gravity works. <laughs> and all the conditions eventually won't be there. They won't work. It says, Do nothing out of self, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. In Philippians 2.4 you can learn a lot about a person by what happens to them and through them and out of them when they're in tough situations. Sometimes when I meet young people and they're in the dating phase. They think they're going to marry somebody. I'll be like, you need to go on a missions trip with them. Go on a missions trip with them. And don't go, don't go to like Hong Kong where you're staying in hotels the whole time. Go to like Djibouti, Africa, where you're staying in huts, you know, where you don't have showers, the food's nasty, the schedule's unpredictable. Go hang out with them in those environments and see what you see because it'll reveal a lot. It'll reveal a lot. But I will say this, nothing reveals more about your character than how you act and treat the people in your home. You don't have to go on a missions trip for something to reveal your character. You just got to look at how you respond to your spouse or how you're responding to your kids. That reveals a ton in who we are. Marriage and family reveals so much about who we are. How does the Lord use it? Well, he puts kids around us that aren't fully matured yet. A lot of times he'll put a parent in our lives that act nothing like what they say that they're training us to be. Sometimes that happens. Typically, God has us marry people who don't meet all the conditions do not say amen there unless you want to die. <laughs> Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is, that is a tough standard. This is what Jesus said. Love them as, as i Okay, it would have been so much easier if you would have just been like, man, love your wife like Harry loves Sally. You know? Just love your wife like Romeo loves Juliet. You know? Uh, Love your wife like Edward loved Bella. Uh. It would have been so nice if he would have just said, hey, you just need to love your spouse a little bit better than your parents loved each other. I'm like, check. But that wasn't the standard. That wasn't the standard. Jesus gave up his life. He had no rights. He laid it down. He laid it all down. He laid it down. It says, Men, you got to love your wife like you love yourself. Why do you say that? Because he knew how much men will love themselves. And he said, "Why, or wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Because he knew how difficult it was going to be for you to submit and trust people that you knew you were typically smarter than. <laughs> but to lay down your lives. Because here's the thing. Over the years, you're going to go through these seasons where you're going to feel like you, you don't know the person you married anymore. You're going look at them like, who oh, is this? This like you're married to a stranger. It's going to feel that way at one point or another. And when that comes, there's one or two ways you can go with this. You can get in that season and use it as a charge for you to change, to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Or you can start justifying, well, maybe I made a mistake. And a lot of people live in this place. Maybe some of you are in this place right now. Most of the time, though, we don't need a better or different spouse, we need to be more like Christ. It was really quiet when I said that. What I have noticed, though, in most marriage issues and most family home issues, but especially around marriage, you're always going to be loving yourself more and more right before you decide to love someone else other than the person you married. You're always going to be focusing more and more on yourself and what you deserve and and you'll start just, and so you'll start saying things like, man, I, I, just, I should just be able to focus on me and, and do me. And you may even have some friends around you like, yeah, you do. You need to go find happiness. You need to go find that. You deserve it. They are horrible. You deserve to be happy. Well, that, that's cute. It's not biblical. It is not what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. I need to be happy. I need to do my own thing. Man, I, I, need a, I need a new boat. I need some new clubs. I need to go on a trip. I need to go party some. Let me ask you two questions. First question is this. When have you ever made a selfish decision that it brought joy, peace, and happiness in your life? The other question is this. When have you ever laid down your life like Christ and lived by his word that you didn't have an overwhelming sense of his grace, peace, and strength in your life? Because it is what is available. Why does this work? It tells us in John 12, verse 24. Truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I've seen this over and over again. People who live for themselves, they are miserable. I grew up around an older couple. I remember going to their house. I remember the husband, he would sit in the chair, his chair, his recliner. you know, the lazy boy. He'd just sit there and he always have his drink, He liked drinking tab. Y'all remember tab? Remember that drink? I think it's still around. I don't know. He'd drink tab. And when he was done drinking his drink, his glass would be empty with some icing. He'd just shake it. He'd just sit there and shake it. And then the wife would come running over there and get his glass and go get him some more tab. I'm telling you, if I did anything like that in my home... Cody, she sounds and looks sweet and all that, but you have to understand, this woman grew up surviving Montana winters, and she will cut you. But I what I remember most about that man is, to the day that he died, he had very little joy, no peace, because he was living for himself. Number two, we must keep Jesus in the center. Not yourself, not your spouse, not your kids, not your hobbies, not your career. Jesus. Everything revolves around that. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You don't take up a cross unless you plan to die on it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, we'll find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You have to keep Christ at the center. Christ has to be at the center. And I need to speak to the typical home in our city, in our community, especially where we have made our kids the center. We have become a very kid-centered culture, and especially in our community. And it's so clear to me. I mean, we do everything for the kids to the point where now the kids have become more of a priority than our own spouses, than our own marriages. Now I've seen this before where if a kid is unhappy, man, a parent would just be going crazy. Like, what do I need to do? I'm bored. Oh, no. Well, I don't want you to be bored. Here's 18 sports. But the spouse says, I'm bored. I don't care. <laughs> and it's just gotten out of whack. Christ is at the center. My number one priority that God has given me is to be a man of God first, to be the man that He call, has called me to be. Before anything else, before any other label, before anything else, I was a son, I was God's son. So my first priority has to be that I have to know what that is. I have to know what that means confidently. Not always gonna be confident in it, but I'm gonna pursue being confident in who I am in Christ. My second priority is to be that man of God for my wife, for her. And then it trickles down after that. And then then to be the man of God for my kids. But this can get off sometimes. And I remember one time my kids were mad at me because I was gonna take my wife on a date night. And they're mad because they wanted to hang out with me. They wanted to spend time with me. And so I made sure that they understood. So many told me not to do this, but I thought it was just the best way to illustrate the importance of their mom in my life. And I said, I asked them, I said, who do you think I love the most in this family? Well, every kid's like, oh, it's me, you love me. I'm like, no, I love your mom. I love her the most. Right, let me give you an example. If there was a house fire, I've already admitted it was a bad idea, okay, but <laughs> it got the point across. Now I showed up and our house is on fire and all y'all were in there and I go into that house that is on fire, I'm gonna get your mama out first. I'm getting her out first. And if I still have time, I'll just get as many of you as I still can, you know. <laughs> But I'm getting mama, they are still messed up to this day. It is so sad watching them with their tiny little raptor arms trying to check the batteries on the smoke detectors. (laughs) Entertaining. Praying, God, don't let the house burn down, Daddy. going to let us all die. I cleared it up. It was a good laughable moment. But the point is this. My God, my wife, my kids, everything else, period, including you. My marriage starts hurting, my kids start hurting, I'm not preaching. You're not gonna find me around. I stand before God, He's gonna hold me accountable to what He gave me first. The first thing He gave me is salvation, the second thing He gave me is a wife to encourage that salvation. And the third thing he gave me is people to pour the salvation into my kids. Then all y'all, if I have some time, I'll run back in. I love how God typically hooks us up with somebody that is the total opposite of us to test unconditional love. It's my only beef with dating sites because dating sites try to survey and ask all these questions so you get the perfect match. They don't get the irony of God. Because the irony of God is, no, I'm going to hook them up with somebody. They're going to think maybe initially they have so much in common then they're going to get married and realize, oh no, they don't have anything in common. And then he giggles to himself. (laughs) Mm. Silly little sheep. Number three. Stay steady in building on the rock. Stay steady in building on the rock. This is my last scripture, and we'll wrap this up. Joshua was one of the greatest generals that's ever lived. He commanded the Lord's army, the Israelites. Um, He's a stud, man, just amazing. But he was even a better father. The way he managed his home. He got his priorities straight. He said this in Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that were beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you ever lifted something, helped somebody move something that was really heavy and valuable? You know, you ever helped like somebody move like a piano or like their great grandmother's china cabinet or something like that? The whole time you're moving, they're like, steady, slow, careful, careful, steady, slow, And you're just like, I'm not helping you move anymore, okay? Like, we're we're moving as slow and steady and careful as we possibly can. The truth is, when something is heavy and valuable and important, it's not always easy to be careful and to move slow. Nothing is more weighty in importance and valuable than your God. So you stay steady and you stay careful and you slow down enough to see his face and hear his voice. Make the priority of him as your foundation be more important than anything. Because anything else will leave you empty and frustrated and broken. Keep building on the rock. Keep building on the rock. Stay steady with your God. And if you've blown it, call a meeting in your home with whoever that means. Humble yourself and repent And declare, in spite of anything you've done or however you've messed up, declare in faith, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you get back on track. And I would say, stay steady with the body of Christ. Stay steady with the church. Stay steady with the very people that can encourage you and support you and and help you when things get tough, look, when marriages start falling apart, I, I, I'm, I'm like, hey, what life group are you in? You need some people around you right now. Have you talked to your life group leader? Have you talked to the people that know you? And, and unfortunately, too often, like, well, we're not, really, we're not really connected. And so it's like, well, that's part of your problem. God didn't design you to do this on your own. You're trying to do it on your own. No wonder you're having such a hard time. But I'm pointing them towards church. Look, when, when students are having a difficult time, look, if my kids were having a difficult time, you better believe I'd be wearing out the phones of their youth pastors, their youth leaders, their life group leaders, their tribe leaders, whoever it is. I would say, milk the church and the body of Christ for everything you possibly can because that's the way God designed it. He designed you to lean on the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. You're a part of the body of Christ. My hand needs my arm doesn't work without it. And you need the body of Christ. Milk it for everything that it has. I had a man ask me one time, he's he interested in coming to our church. And this is not, this is the right question. So it's, it's one of the right questions. He asked, well, what do you have to offer my kids? And I said, well, you know, we got, we, we do have, honestly, we have a pretty good children's ministry and youth ministry and We take care of students. It's a priority for us. I said, but the number one most important thing that I have to offer to your kids is I have a strong and challenging word for you. Because the best thing that I can offer to your family is a godly man who leads them. So we'll take care of your students. We're going to take care of your kids. But don't you think for a second you're going to drop them off when they're five, pick them up when they're 18, and they're going to be spiritually mature because we hang out with them two hours a week. No, that is on you, brother. That is on you and sister. And God has equipped you and given you everything that you need to do it and do it well grab a hold of that shovel and dig through the sand. Find the rock. Let's build something. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. You can't build anything if you don't know where to start. And the fact of the matter is that anybody without relationship with God, without a relationship with Jesus, you, you, for the rest of your life, everything's gonna be built on sand. It'll be built on sand. And it'll be fragile and weak and susceptible to every wind and flood and situation and circumstance that comes along in your life. And so what this has to start with is it has to start with you understanding who the rock is. His name is Jesus. He is the rock. He's the rock of your salvation. The thing that saves you when the winds come, when the sand shifts he saves you because he is firm and immovable. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. His name was Jesus. He has always been. He will always be your salvation. But he cannot be if you're not willing to surrender to who he is. And so if you're here today and you've never surrendered yourself to Jesus, you've never surrendered yourself to the, to your true foundation, where you really can build something, where you can find the stability that you, you so desperately are looking for in your life and you have looked for it everywhere else and you're still coming up empty. Today, you don't have to leave empty. You can know exactly what your rock is built on or what your house is built on, what your life is built on. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and savior, for whatever reason, Or maybe you need to just come back to him. At one point, maybe you had an idea of who he is and how how he could be your foundation. But but since then, man, your foundation has gotten shaky and you've added stuff. And some of you, the thing you've added is your own shame and condemnation because of mistakes you've made. And so you've distanced yourself from him as your foundation. If you're either one of those people, you need to come to him and surrender your life to him as your Lord and Savior. Or you need to rededicate your life to him I want to give you a chance to come to him, to meet him for the first time or come back to him. Nobody looking around. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to be bold enough. The same way he was bold for you on the cross, just bold enough to take a small step of faith. And if that's you on the count of three, I just want you to put your hand up. Nobody else is going to see it, just me and you. I want you to put your hand up. And as soon as you put your hand up, as soon as I see you, you can put it down and then we're going to pray. But I want you to be bold. One, two, three, hands up right now across this room. I need Jesus. I need to rededicate my life. I need to come to him today. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, I got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being bold. God's gonna honor it. You can sense his grace coming on you right now. Just that small thing. Yes, sir. That small act of just, man, okay, I'll raise my hand. I need Jesus. Anybody else? I need Jesus. Don't pass on it. Yes, ma'am. Don't be, don't, don't. This is not a good time to be prideful or worried about somebody that's sitting around you, worried about what they're going to think. This is between you and your creator. It's between you and your God. Got you there at the back. So it's the right time right now to make the decision. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Got it. Anybody else? I need to come to Jesus. I don't have a foundation. I life is in shambles because I don't know him. anybody else okay every person raise your hand I want you to know you can make a personal decision right there in your chair but you need to know that your faith was never meant to be private it's meant to be public you can make a personal decision there, right there in your chair the word says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth then you can be saved and one of the greatest ways that you can confess that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior is through water baptism and here in just a few minutes, if you've never done that, you've never made that decision, you can do it today. We've got a change of clothes for you already out in the foyer. As soon as we're done praying here, I'd encourage you, you bolt back there, you get this thing done. You do it today. Even if you feel like, well, I was baptized as a kid. Well, something's different today. Something's new today. And so you let your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you let your church family know today that today starts a new foundation. Today starts something new and I'm gonna live for Jesus for the rest of my life. And you can do that today. But right there in your chair, talk to him. Just say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I've made more mistakes than I can count. And I know I'm going to make a lot more. But right now, I accept this thing that maybe I don't even completely understand. It's a supernatural, unconditional love that I don't deserve. But I believe that you came and you died on the cross for my sin when I didn't deserve it. God, when I was, when I was still a sinner, you died for me. While I was still a sinner, while I was still in the middle of my, my brokenness, you died for me. And I believe that. And I ask for your forgiveness. And right now, I surrender my life to you because God, I'm not interested in just absorbing your grace and your love without surrendering my life to you. So I surrender my life to you because I know that in that is the only place that I find my life. It's by living the way you want me to live. And so I repent. I turn away from living the way I have been living. I don't want to live for the world. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live the way someone else has told me they think that I should live. I want to live according to your will and to your word and to your plan and to your purpose because in that is life and life to the full. I surrender to you, Jesus. Change me, change me, heal me, restore me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, We recognize the attack on our homes. We recognize the attack from culture. We recognize the attack from the enemy. Let us be a church and a church family that declares, not just with our words, but with the way that we live, with the way that we sacrifice, with the way that we serve. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We thank you for that encouragement from your spirit this morning from your word in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we had a bunch of people raising their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give God some glory for that. So this is what we're going to do. We got a bunch of people already signed up for water baptism and they're going to be coming in here in just a second. We're going to worship God one more time. Um, and this is the reason for this is honestly two things. Some people are making a decision to get water baptized right now. They, didn't, they weren't making that decision, they are making it right now. So we're gonna give them a little bit of time to be able to go and get changed and do all that. So everybody stand up, stand up. Cause there might be somebody in your row right now. They're like, oh, this is me, I'm supposed to do this. But they're making every excuse right now. So we're removing excuses. Get yourself out of your row right now. If you're supposed to be water baptized today, don't wait, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. And we're gonna be right here and we're gonna encourage you and we love you, but let's do it today. But for the rest of you, I would encourage you to use this song for you to examine your hearts. Because sometimes, man, sometimes I know it's like drinking out of a fire hydrant. It's like, whoa, this is a lot. And you may be, you may, the enemy might be coming at you like, man, you just got way too much to work on. You are messed up. Every, everything he said that is wrong with families, you've got that. It's all up in your marriage. It's all up in your kids. I rebuke those lies in the name of Jesus. You don't have to listen to any of that, but I do believe God would want you just to examine your heart to say, okay, what is it? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to adjust? And make 1% changes. Make Make those changes. Be intentional, but just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Will you do that for me? And then then for anybody that you wanna get water baptized today, move during this song, move, We'll, we'll wait on you. You've got some time, but let's do this thing. Father God, move in those people's lives, give them boldness to do it. And God, speak to the rest of us, every mother, every father, every son, every daughter, God, whatever the structure of their home may be, whatever it looks like, help us to see God where we can be more like you. That's what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.